Tokyo Citadel, which we are building now. How's it all going? Dash, early in the morning for us. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, brother. The elephant in the room that we will address first is there. You will hear two voices now. You'll hear Dash and myself. Mike has tragically died in a uh, ski board. In a, uh, in a boating a ski accident. Boat, in a ski boat, yeah, <laughs> in a boating <laughs> accident. Uh, he died along with his Bitcoin. So, uh, Mike... May you rest in peace. All right, um, Yes, uh, he'll be on break. Maybe he'll come back. He's got some stuff going on, but um, if not, we remember him fondly. Um, but as to not dwell too long on the past, we move past Mike's sad death and departure and head on to brighter things, beginning with Dash. What are we talking about in Japan? Thanks, Andy. So, um, kick us off with there's a couple of stories. I mean, what the hot one this week has been the the trouble that Dai had to have found themselves in. So, just to give the listeners a bit of context, um, Daihatsu are a part of the Toyota Group, so they're a fully owned subsidiary of Toyota, um, and they are responsible for manufacturing. Um, it's mainly cars that are destined for the Asia Asia market. Um, so, you know, outside of Japan, but within Asia, um, and they do something like, I think it's something like 1.7 million, uh, vehicles a year, which is around 10% of the Toyota, like total, um, cars shipped. Um, and then what's, what's sort of come out, uh, this year, actually it's, it's, um, it's come out this year, but I mean, it's, it's, it's been heavily in the news this week is, um, that they've been falsifying, uh, data, uh, for te- te- test data. And we've probably, you know, you've, you've probably heard like this stuff before. Like, I think Volkswagen were caught doing it. I think Nissan were caught doing it. You know, all the major manufacturers have been caught doing this falsification of data. But p- prior to this, it's been um, uh, more, I would, I would argue, benign uh, stuff. It's, it's more to do with the emissions data that was being falsified. And you know, um, it's kind of understandable when. There's, there's a, I mean, there's an argument to be made that this, this whole, the whole efficiency, you know, the emissions thing is kind of nonsense anyway um you know the whole um uh, environmental thing and 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 carbon being a bad thing and whatever right you can you can sort of debate that either way but it doesn't really impact on human safety now the problem with the daihatsu thing is it's it's completely different so they've been falsifying um data around testing things like uh, i believe airbags you know collision tests things that could directly impact on on people's lives and apparently this has been going on for a number like a number of decades but it particularly accelerated since 2016 around the 2016 time when incidentally they became a fully owned subsidiary of Toyota and apparently you know what's being put forward in the media as the cause of this is um, they just they were getting a lot of pressure from Toyota to meet very aggressive deadlines 
um, the guys in kind of in the field in the factories didn't have time to do the testing. Uh, in many cases, for example, there was cases where they had to do testing with um, that required a computer component that hadn't actually been uh, completed yet. Um, you know, just just things like that, like me- messed up supply chain things, um, and 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 so they were kind of their hand was forced. Um, also, they had apparently some like pressure on costs, uh, and they had reduced the number of like quality assurance and self and he- uh, health and safety people um, back in I think that was around 2012. So the chickens are kind of coming home to roost, and you know my my take on this is you know again i've kind of raised this point before in different contexts but for me this is where inflation really shows up in japan and so you know a lot of people say well what's the big deal you know inflation hasn't really existed in japan or it's a deflationary economy and well that that you know as as i hope we've explained in previous episodes is 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 a psyop it's absolutely it's it's nonsense but it's true that maybe the price appreciation isn't as um or the price increases aren't as um you know uh, as much as as the western uh, markets but where you see you know inflation showing up in my opinion is is in the kind of re- reduction in quality you know in the reduction in people's uh, you know the, the quality of people's lifestyles they're they're expected to work longer in the office for less pay uh, and this is the kind of thing you get right i mean you sort of get what you pay for if you're putting if you're if you're abusing the staff in the factory and you're not giving them enough time and you're not giving them the tools they need to do the job, it, it ends up you know you 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 um, you take shortcuts and the quality dips and you know J- Japan has spent decades since the war um, you know very for um, very deservedly having a reputation for pre- um, producing high quality goods and services but of course that that kind of reputation can very quickly uh, collapse um, and you can you can lose it and I and I feel like you know this is the chickens are going to come home to roost here. I feel like Japanese industry, you know, Japan Inc. is, is taking another kind of hit here. And um, I'm not sure how much this has been covered overseas. I assume it is being covered overseas. Um, but I think kind of the, even the West now is kind of starting to wake up and say, mm, you know, maybe Japan isn't the isn't the um, manufacturing superpower it used to be. Um, well, I did, I did know, yeah. speaking of just quickly, I did see that the um, uh, there was an article like uh, with a title, something along the lines of... Um, the major scandal and happening in Japan that you're not paying attention to. So it seems like probably they are not <laughs> reporting on and uh, talking about uh, the Daihatsu thing quite as loudly as you'd expect. Yeah, I, I guess maybe it's limited to industry insiders maybe at this point, but, but, but even so, right? It's like um, th- those in the know are going to know at the very least. I mean, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I've noticed just anecdotally speaking to people who've who've come to japan who maybe you know maybe they're not that familiar with japan they're just coming here on a holiday or whatever but i don't know if you remember um up until even fairly recently like people would still have preconceptions you know sort of stereotypes in their head about japan from the kind of bubble era or the 90s era and you know it's like they they haven't updated like the npcs haven't updated their chips kind of thing Mm. But, but i've noticed people recently have started to notice things like um, that, for example, Japan's a little bit behind when it comes to te- adoption of technology, and I'm not sure where they're, where they're getting that, that from. I mean, it's true. Um, I, I assume it's being reported in the mainstream media in in, in the West. But I, 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 have you noticed a shift in that way in the in the kind of perception well, of Japan? Yeah. Well, I think the um that that you know that was a big psyop in the eighties anyway. The the Japan cool government propaganda that got sent all over the world about how 
uh, technically advanced Japan was, despite it never actually doing it. It had some, it had these weird kind of niche things that it was very advanced in, but it was really a government program that tried to expand um, uh, the reputation of Japan outside of the country into the U.S. and and, and European markets that got everyone to believe that it was uniquely efficient, uniquely technologically um, uh, forward-thinking and, and whatnot, despite the fact that it wasn't. Also, the fact that it, it has um, a unique architectural set that when you look at it, it looks like it, it's kind of advanced because about condensed it is and all the neon lights on top of the fact that mm. it's got uh, a lot of video games. So <laughs> like, I, I think it was just a combination of things that led people to believe that um japan was something that it, it never was and uh though once you finally come over here you're like oh well the, <laughs> right the, that that anime that i watched when i was 12 years old was full <laughs> shit. yeah I, th- I think you you raise a good point it's the yeah the computer games definitely the the architectural stuff's interesting i hadn't thought of that um and then probably yeah, like like the anime as well, because I, I believe there was um, J- Japan was also quite punching above its weight when it came to sort of the cyberpunk yeah. thing, uh, at least with the anime. And so that you know, obviously that p- p- paints a futuristic picture. Um, yeah, I didn't, I had, wasn't aware of the, that the government was like doing it as a deliberate policy. I, it doesn't surprise me. I, I think that they're trying to do that now, right, with the cool the cool Japan thing, and it's not. It's not the the high tech or anything. I mean, what are they trying to sell now? It's kind of this image of Japan as almost as as, as a giant uh, theme park. It seems to me that people can come over and play in and um, sort of have a great time for not much money. Any any thoughts on that? Like, what's what's the I latest sign up from the? From the... Yeah, I, I I haven't really noticed just because I'm you know because we're here. Haven't really noticed from the out like what they're promoting outside. They still have the geisha. You know, the big thing seems to still be you know you got the the, the geisha wandering around uh, Kyoto and and stuff mm. like that. I think there's there's kind of a um, a push on Japan is the last standing place in the world that doesn't look like uh, Chicago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, this this we we still maintain some distinction culturally speaking from the outside world. Um, you could have, so, but I don't know how they're, they're promoting things to the Vietnamese. You know what I mean? I'm, from, the, yeah. from the American perspective, I see that being pushed and continuously. So, but what they're pushing to the mainland Chinese or the Koreans or, or whatnot mm-hmm. is an interesting question. I'd be curious to know what the, the focus is to them. I would guess it's like quality of the food or something, or, you know, you yeah, can buy always brag about the food. Yeah. yeah. I think it's probably that for the, for the Asian market for the, for the US and then the I guess UK as well. It's um I, I noticed a lot of Mario. Um <laughs> I, don't, I, I, should I, be. I don't know if you remember when Abe uh rest in peace uh, um were, you know he completely humiliated himself in the country in my eyes anyway when he when he, he showed up at some was it the World Cup or the Olympics or something and he and he, he, he emerged from is this a dream I had? I'm pretty sure I saw it on TV and he, he was wearing full regalia. He was he was dressed as Mario. Seriously, some, this, oh, this, this, yeah. this has gone beyond me. I don't remember this at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. In fact, fact, check me on that. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it. I remember seeing him on TV at some opening ceremony. Well, it might have even been the Olympics when, when they did it out here. Or it was part of that bid to get the Olympics. Um, but, yeah, he, he dressed as, as in full Mario, Mario regalia. Not, uh, not, not, yeah, have, have, quickly duck, duck, go it now. And, uh, um, I'm looking here. 
Yeah. <laughs> Former um, Prime the... Minister Japanese Abe attended the Rio 2016 closing ceremony dressed as Super mm. Mario. Yep. Okay, there you go. There you go. Yeah, Congratulations. It happened. it happened. Um and there was that and there's I noticed the the pothole is the pothole or the manhole covers that they have in um Mario themed um in so in, in, in some area where they're trying to attract foreign tourists they actually look really good um credit where credit's due but yeah they've got these yeah they've got these mario themed potholes i know it wasn't endorsed by nintendo but obviously there's also the mario kart thing that that, that zips around tokyo for the, 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 i was so you know, pissed when they started suing those little companies you know because they'd have the people wearing like uh the mario or the toad or yeah. the, the koopa outfit there and then the mario suit them so now they gotta have like generic uh yeah um animal costumes on. it doesn't look even remotely close now um no. to yeah, and and some some people say they missed a they kind of missed a trick. I mean, Nintendo are like that, right? They're kind of aggressive with their IP, and sometimes they are a bit short sighted. Um, I think they've been, for example, when, when it comes to streamers, I'm not an expert on these things, but I, I, I like I think they're pretty aggressive on taking down streamers who are playing the games. I'm, I'm not sure that might that might be fake news, but that you know, I, I I don't know. I can, I kind of respect Nintendo. I mean, they're they're the one Japanese company who is still out there kicking ass and kind of dominating yeah. in their industry. So. You know, credit where credit's due. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of Nintendo stuff, I think, for, for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it. And I think it's just like like you say, it's this um, it's this place you can come and still have an experience which isn't like anywhere else in the world, which isn't just this American um, homogeneity or whatever the word is, right? It's like yeah. you, you, can come, you can come here and do different things. Uh, that makes sense. I'd also be... I'd also be curious, like how much gets promoted for like um, um, under uh, you kind of under you know under the radar um, tech workers to come transplant themselves and work here, like because that's a lot of the the Chinese mm. and the Vietnamese, right? It's like uh, IT workers and stuff like mm, that. Mm, mm. Come here, you can get out of you can get out of your village shithole and mm. come to Tokyo, work forty hours a day. And make 15, <laughs> make fifteen make fifteen bucks, but at least you're out of wherever mm. the hell um, village in Vietnam. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's some of that. I mean, I, I have actually um, so in my experience working in Tokyo, some of the best people to have as colleagues to work with are uh, the Koreans who come mm. out here. They usually they come out here in my experience, and then they'll go to university here and you know graduate into the professional world and and they'll just be they'll be indistinguishable from japanese almost from a mm. like language perspective and but also culturally very similar and very hard working and very smart but what what i've what i've heard from a few of them is they say well i came to japan because i wanted i wanted work life balance <laughs> so it's like absolutely that's where i come yeah. to yeah well, yeah, I mean, so instead of working 22 hours a day like you do in Korea, it's just like 20 hours a day, right? And you, you at least can sleep. Um, so it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, everything's relative, as they say, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll be curious to see what, what develops next. I do think you are right. And with the, the dollar yen being what it is, there's absolutely no way they're not going to promote tourism countrywide, as in come here buy our cheap crap now mm. um mm. if the if the dollar yen continues on its current trajectory of you know 150 175 for the foreseeable future well absolutely my, my predict i think i'd made this prediction on this show but um it's one of the things i predicted for a while it's one of the reasons i insist on always getting japanese language menus uh, wherever i go into restaurants even when they try and give me an english menu because we are seeing uh, two-tiered pricing systems emerge 
Um, so in all in all major tourist economies, you'll see this. Um, and Japan, you know, Japan isn't some unique <laughs> magical place where this isn't going to happen. Um, now they're they're being a um, how should we say? And the, the examples I've seen have been fairly um, they're not outright kind of. Uh, uh, you know, ripping off tourists. So, for example, what I noticed this week is uh, there's there's a ski resort in Hokkaido, which is they have different price tickets for if you're a local, if you're a resident of that area. Mm. Um, so it's not like Jap- Japanese versus non-Japanese. It's like if you if you live in that town, you get um, I think it was like some of my thirty bucks for a ski ticket, maybe maybe cheaper. But a, a, but a, you know, a tourist would pay a significant. You know, a non-resident of that town would pay a significant premium on that. Mm. um so yeah i think we're gonna see that as well because it's like yeah i mean it, it's ridiculous I, and, and every american you speak to will be like i cannot believe i've just eaten that meal for you know whatever 15 bucks and it's like one yeah. of the best meals they've ever had in their lives and so you can definitely charge you know twice three times more than that for americans for american tourists but you, you, obviously you can't charge that to you know uh, Joe Salaryman. So, um, yeah, I definitely think we're going to see more and more two two tier pricing. Have you have you noticed anything out and about? I've done it. Um, I've done it when people have come over and I'm working like I'm if I'm a go between between the Japanese and the Americans and there's a pricing thing. Um, I tell them jack up this price. You, there's no reason that you need to provide this service right. for them um, at this price that you're thinking. Mm. Triple it is and. You're still, you're still not going to offend their sensibilities, which the Japanese are more than happy to comply with. They have a hard time understanding why I'm telling them this, but I'm telling them, yeah, like, this, yeah. Is, this is far below market value. You're doing yourself a disservice. I mean, for what I for what I was doing, you are offering this at ridiculous levels. This is mm-hmm. this is beyond unnecessary mm-hmm. of a price, um, especially considering these guys are going to come and pay in dollars. And well, it goes back to the Toyota thing because it's like the the whole culture is top down, like just bully, just crush. Even if you don't need the to to squeeze the margins, you you just culturally do it. You just you just bully the the subcontractors and and the people below you in the kind of supply chain. And and I think people are kind of used to that. They, they just don't. There's you know. Whereas whereas I think for maybe the European American mindset is more. Well, you get what you pay for. So if yeah. I give these guys a little bit more, then you know you know maybe, maybe you know maybe they'll actually test for safety when it comes to airbags and things which is which is nice well i'm curious because this was the issue with um uh the earthquake and uh the the power company right they didn't um do all the testing and they didn't have yeah. the standards up to up to spec up there in uh fukushima which led to the whole disaster right so I'm curious, like, is this just a, an innate griminess of people in general, a unique kind of mm. griminess of uh, of our Japanese brothers, or is it, as you said, the kind of the, the penny pinching because of inflationary pressures? Well, we yeah, we certainly see this all over the world, right? Um, um, I th- you know, subcontractors again get get the margin squeezed, and it's like, well. They cut corners. I mean, I think that's common across the globe. I, yeah. Um, I, I wonder how much of the Daihatsu thing is also because they were they were sending, like I say, most of their cars are exported to the Asian market, or I think all of their <laughs> just let the out. just let the, yeah. let the Cambodians kill each other. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much is, is that is down to that. Um, 
and now people are pissed not not necessarily because they were putting lives in danger but because they're putting japan inks risk uh reputation in danger so that's that's what that's what the scandal's all about May, uh, yeah i mean um, I wonder, was there any was there actually any reported because this shit has been going on since the 80s apparently has uh hmm. has there been actually any reported problem or is this like one of those kind of like absurd you know they have these safety standards where it's like it's got to be able to be hit by a scud missile and not uh not crack the window so they just didn't want to keep up with that level of safety there has been in news about a recall that toyota been doing um and that that was down to airbags i think that's in the u.s market though and i don't think it's directly related to the daihatsu thing um I haven't been able to draw a line anyway, but um, but yeah, there um, there's been some faulty airbags, and then and then they refused to comment on whether people had been killed or not. But you, you assume, I, I don't know, I kind of assume that it, that there must have been something that happened that prompted the investigation. Again, that's a separate, it's a separate story from the Daihatsu story, but it's it's kind of related, and it's it's Toyota and it's involving airbags, and yeah, so. Um, and the I, I don't know. Have you seen the film Fight Club, where you know, oh, Ed, Ed, Norton, yeah, Ed Norton's character uh, explains whether they whether they do a recall or not based on you know like the the average pet settlement payout per fatality times yep. fatalities. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how much how true that is. It wouldn't surprise me if it was completely the case, though. But I, I don't think these companies do a recall unless there's you know significant reason to do so. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they've all, you know, most most of the Japanese uh, major corporations, those Zaibatsu things, have come under a little bit more scrutiny. Wasn't it Mitsubishi that that ran into some trouble not too uh, not too many years back for something similar with the with the cars uh, or the trucks or something? So it might be. I don't know if they had been skirting third third-party testing for a significant period of time or if um there's some if they're getting squeezed from some other nation state trying to to, to muscle in but it, i wouldn't be surprised if some of these pop up a bit more um as scrutiny ramps up a little bit but the Japanese themselves mm. are pretty pretty anal retentive, so they're usually good at paying attention to certain things. So if, if quality standards drop too much, they're pretty they're pretty quick to bitch. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least uh, the women are. Yeah, it, well, it's it's those things that you don't notice until you've crashed into the back of a truck and you kind of need the airbag to operate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> too late now. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But um, but that yeah. So that's 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 the one. Uh, you know, kind of. Uh... If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you can support the show and help us grow by listening on Fountain, a podcast app on iOS or Android. You can share your thoughts on this episode or simply say thanks by sending some sats with a comment called a boost getting started is easy you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or any lightning wallet you can earn sats by listening on fountain and being an active member of the community visit fountain.fm to learn more um japanese quality inflation related story of the of the week um the i i the the other thing that i wanted to bring up on the show as uh, i think i finally met miss watanabe and i wanted to share that with our listeners so the infamous in the flesh, in the flesh yeah um and so i actually my my wife came home a few weeks ago and, and was all excited because she'd been invited to some in like investment um talk um 
uh, as part of this like mo- mother's group, this mother's circle she's she's involved in. And I, red flag immediately went off for me. I was like, oh no, she's going to get scammed. It's, this is some sort of multi level marketing scam or something so i said look i'll i'll go too i just wanted to sort of go there and play defense and just make sure she wasn't going to sign some you know horrible contract and and whatever and 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 lose all all our money so um i but i went there and uh i was actually pleasantly surprised because you know i was the i was the only guy in the room it was like i think it was about 10 10 of these 10 mothers and me um and you know they had one one of the um the, the the woman who was giving the talk she had this kind of background story that she was a single mother and she'd been working making school lunches and she'd started her own um uh cooking school and then she'd got into investments and she'd sort of managed to get financially kind of fight fire i guess you know kind of story she'd become mm. uh financially independent through this process and um i i was listening to this thinking well it's, this is, okay this is just the setup for the scam you know and then, but th- but then she starts going. She starts talking about like inflation, and um, she's talking about um, you know how the banks are ripping you off. Uh, she's talking about um, how you know the, the the three things you've got to worry about are the are, are the country. What was it she said? The country. Um, damn it, I forget the three things. But I, the, the country stuck stuck in my mind. She was very sort of. It was almost like listening to an Austrian economic you know, economist or, or a Bitcoin, even a Bitcoiner. She even mentioned nope. Bitcoin. Um, although she was more focused on like, she was, she was doing a lot of investments overseas um, in, in Asia as, as it happened, like Cambodia, places like that. And, and she was she even alluded to the fact she's doing that because they, they don't have a tax treaty, I think with Japan. And so there's like this, there's ways you could um, uh, obviously you can sort of do favor, favorable tax things. Um, the point was that I was amazed at the level of, like financial lit- literacy, like just understanding the problem with the central banks, the governments, uh, inflation, debasement of currency, how you needed to protect your wealth um, from the government. Uh, she also raised an interesting thing, which I hadn't known about. Um, so next year, apparently, they're, 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 we're having reissued banknotes in Japan. And um, she pointed out that after the war, um, in 1946, I actually looked it up. Uh, it's, it was 1946. They had some sort of like, and it was related to inflation. Um, uh, but they had they had a couple of things that happened. One was um, uh, they called it the Shin Shinen Kirikai, so it was like the replacement of the banknotes act. And so people had to go to the bank to um, get new banknotes. And the second thing they had was some sort of wealth tax, uh, as, some sort of asset tax on people. Um, and this was all part of the quote-unquote reducing inflation in Japan. Uh, and, she, and so she sort of said, you know, well, with these kind of things coming up and with my number, et cetera, et cetera, and, and like the government doesn't do these things unless there's some reason to it. Um, and I was just I was just so impressed. It was like she was more Duma Dash than, than Duma Dash, you know. Mm. Um, but it's like, you know, you kind of you, you kind of think that, you know, we're in our bubble, Bitcoin is whatever, like we're the only ones noticing these things. But it was kind of for me it was it was a refreshing thing to see that you know these these work these just normal working mothers like they weren't you know this isn't some exclusive like bilderberg kind of group it's just it's just a bunch of normal people um were seeing these problems and were kind of taking steps to educate one another and and, uh, and you know the, 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 like i say that their their answer wasn't bitcoin but at least they were doing something 
and uh yeah i thought that was really really cool to see but i, I don't know have you have you seen a similar any any miss watanabe's in your in your daily life well i certainly can't say that i i uh something quite so um obvious and uh like uh right on the nose as you happen to stumble into i've come across however <coughs> if my uh if my wife and other women that I interact with are any indication, they, you know, the one thing that you can appreciate about the Japanese is that they have like uh, a librarian's level of autistic focus on slight yen movements and price. So, you know, the, you know, the, the, the big one this week was the, the Garigari-kun, the, the popsicle that went up 10 yen, which mm. in any normal society would be completely ignored because it's 10 10 yen the equivalent of what seven cents but this was national news right and when you have a people that's as focused on price fluctuations partially because of their their low uh their the 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 low uh the low wage that they 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 get relative to the rest of the world even in some some higher tech sectors um, they're going to, they're going to be somewhat sensitive to, to price movements, even if it's not going to put them, they, they have a higher savings rate and they have less credit card debt and things like that than places like the U S but still, they're going to be somewhat sensitive to, to movement because, you know, these things compiling do add on and they do change what can be bought, brought into the house, used, etc. So I think that if you know, as I to, as I started off with, if my wife is any indication, and if her her friends that I see are any indication, even if they're not grabbing um, local Fed officials and slamming them up against the wall, or coming up with you know conspiracy theories as to how as as to or not conspiracy theories, but theories as to how they're being conspired against to debase their 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 livelihood to save a financial system they still at, at least can recognize shit is more expensive than it should be and um my wages you know my pay is going up any something's got to give so that's that's good and with they're not waiting to see the the price of carrots double mm. um slight 10 10 yen 5 yen movements are enough to get the get that get their ears perked up so i think that is indicative of you said of, of at least a, um, a segment of the population here in japan that that is paying attention which is good to see what they do about it however is another is another thing sounds like you came across uh, a, a real mover and shaker uh miss watanabe in uh at this group i don't think i've i've come across any that are that are going to sit there and and really figure out ways to shook and jive the system like she did but glad that she exists anyway hope may her tribe increase and may more of them be spread throughout the country yeah yeah absolutely i think one of the things that most impressed me about her she didn't she didn't rock up showing like wearing brands or anything like that um, like a, like a scammer would, like she was, she just looked completely normal. Like you'd walk past her in the street and you wouldn't look twice. Right. Um, but 
but she but she had this really sophisticated understanding and um so you know there, there's hope in, in my opinion i, I wonder do, do you think so the she really got me thinking about the new banknotes though and i haven't so i wonder if they are lining up some sort of wealth tax that they're, they're just trying to like ca- like count they're trying to count everyone's wealth right now with the my number card and with this with the new banknotes and then they're going to hit us with some sort of wealth tax in like 2025 or something what do you think well, that's an. I mean, well, the 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 historical precedent was an interesting one. I didn't realize the um, they they had uh, an inflationary spike had led them to to devalue the currency and, and issue new banknotes back in the past. Because my initial reaction was like, well, they're gonna, you know, the U.S. puts, you know, new. It's for social reasons. You know, they'll they'll take Benjamin Franklin off the whatever bill and they'll put on some some irrelevant <laughs> person that nobody's ever heard of to be more diverse or whatever. Um, so that was my, when you first told me that, that story, that was my initial thought. It was just like, well, they're going to change, they're going to change whatever they're, they're gonna, Japanese poet, put a new Japanese gonna put, poet on there. They're going to put Rosa Parks on the, on the banknotes. Or something <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. They, they, George, George Floyd's going to get a, a Japanese <laughs> banknote. Um, but now that you say that with, with greater context, I'm, I'm, I'm up for hearing that there is something else afoot because if there's precedent and they're doing it again, the Japanese love to do the same thing over and over again. And if the, uh, the situation in Japan is quite, uh, if it is as tenuous as some theorize it is, now you have others that say it's not because, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, um, the, what they owe, they might owe two hundred sixty percent of GDP, but it's at one percent or less or something, so they can they can kick this can down the road. Others say that you know there's no way. Um, so depend, I, I'm I'm not sure how they're thinking about it, but if they're trying to get ahead of the head of the curve and not turn into Argentina or something, maybe they 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 have a slight push because yeah, that's a bunch of that's a bunch of little data points, right? My number, mm. new banknotes, historical precedent, yen, yen not really recovering despite their best efforts. Yeah, that, that's actually yeah. something to pay attention to. Well, I think also the Nisa thing, right? So, and I and I asked and I asked her about the Nisa. Yeah, the new Nisa. So, from my th- my conspiracy theory with the new Nisa is they're giving us, and I think I've said on the show before, but there's like I think it's like um eighteen million yen you get as an as a kind of tax-free allocation right and you get that over five years or you can you can do it longer than the minimum time is five years that you can get that um fill that up but i think what they're doing is they're essentially saying look that's your you know that's all you need and everything in there is going to be safe and outside of that we're going to come and we're probably going to seize that we're going to tax that i think that's their plan and and she was also of the mind that the nisa was part of this um but she 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 also said that one of the things with the new nisa is they're making it so i the the current nisa and and, i'm sorry just for just for background for anyone listening who doesn't know the nisa is like um i think is it isa in america IRA, sorry, it's 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 the Japanese equivalent of the IRA, but it was it was um, limited to twenty years. Um, the current the current system is like limited to twenty years, but with the new system starting next year, it's the, you can keep it in the NISA for an unlimited period of time. And her 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 theory there was 
you know, Japanese people, the typical nature of the Japanese is that they'll never spend their Nisa. They'll, they'll, they'll go to the grave with it completely unspent. And, and then the government will be able to just essentially seize it back as, 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 as a uh, inheritance tax, via inheritance tax. So that was, that was her thinking. I think that, that made sense. But, I th- but yeah, I, th- I think like the mine number, the Nisa and the new banknotes for me, when you see three things, uh, that's not, you know... <laughs> This is wealth and, 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 and Kishida even mentioned, I think it was either wealth tax or it was unrealized capital gains tax. I think it was unrealized capital gains tax that he mentioned when he took office, um, which immediately made me hate him. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, so I'm pretty sure it was, you know, this is, this is where things are going. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the, yeah, that, that, <clears throat> that is concerning enough to, to pay attention to. I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll dive into this one. I'll dive into this one onto this one as well. Cause you got to shield yourself from stupidity and rapacious mm-hmm. morons that want to take your shit away. Oh, just out of curiosity, what was the woman trying to sell anyway? Or was it just kind of like, well, a- so I think ultimately it was like, she was basically, she was saying, if you're interested, ping, ping me. And you know, you can get in on this Cambodia thing. I think that was this, but it, it wasn't a hard sell. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm, I'm going to follow up, but, um, but yeah, that that and I think that, and she's got a she's got a book out, so maybe she's trying to sell a book. Um, yeah. Well, the mo- the most benign of scamming. Grifters, yeah, right? yeah, I th- I believe so. Yeah. Well, good for her. May she may she continue. <laughs> I hope her book sells well. The um, moving on. That was a good one. That was a lot, a lot going on in Japan here. As for the builder segment, uh, looked up this week. We have a, a company called Peer Swap. The peer-to-peer lightning network balancing pool, which caught my eye because of the, the fee spike and channel closing and lightning sucking for if you want to try and onboard people, all this kind of stuff going on with uh, the high fee environment that we seem to be uh, living in at the moment for a significantly longer period of time than I remember. So PeerSwap enables lightning network nodes to balance their channels by facilitating atomic swaps with direct peers. Uh, and I won't actually, I'll have you jump on the atomic swap thing because i don't know how efficient that is or if that's going to be a big um if that'll that'll cost a lot to do atomic swaps i don't know how good those are but peer-to-peer swap enhances or peer swap enhances decentralization of the lightning network by enabling all nodes to be their own swap provider no centralized coordinator no third-party rent collector and lowest cost channel balancing means small nodes can better compete with large nodes peer swap currently has a working implementation for both CLN and LND nodes. At the moment, PeerSwap is suitable for power node operators with Linux command signals, or Linux command skills, rather. Implementation of control panel GUI uh, interfaces are currently underway and will make PeerSwap easier to use for ordinary users. Opposite approach to most existing balancing methods, if you place channel uh, if you balance channels only with direct peers it's very reliable rather than operating more and bigger channels you can cheaply refill channels and uh, cheaply refill the channels you already have to the desired balance and this fixes balance without harming other nodes uh, uh, opening new channels is recommended not for the purpose of balancing but for but if you want more direct connection with frequent source destination nodes, and they have multiple option swipes, uh, BTC, liquid, liquid Bitcoin, on-chain swaps, um, Lightning, 
and additional wallet options can be implemented. Any thoughts? So, firstly, on on the yeah, on the on the lightning swaps, like I haven't really done deep dives into that because I'm I'm mainly. Uh, you know, I use the sort of coin join services, Samurai Whirlpool, things like that. Um, but my understanding of the light, lightning swap is essentially you, for example, I, my understanding is it works like Wallet of Satoshi, right? Where you could send some on-chain funds into Wallet of Satoshi. Um, and then you would you could then take those funds that were in your wallet and put them over the lightning network. You could send them somewhere else. And that would break deterministic links, right? So if I had bought that Bitcoin from Coinbase, then it's obvious looking on chain that that UTXO belongs to me and I bought it from Coinbase, um, at least from Coinbase's perspective, uh, looking looking at on chain. But if, if, if I sent that to Wallet of Satoshi and then I did a lightning payment out to some other wallet, it's, it's completely different U, UTXO, right? It completely breaks the... Um, uh, deterministic links. So, in, in that sense, it's 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 kind of a good privacy tool. The the problem is with with Bitcoin. As far as I'm aware, there's, there's it, it, you know, like it, like Bitcoin doesn't support smart sort of smart contracts, if you like. So, there there is an element of trust and and there's, there's a moment where the the swap provider sort of has custody of your funds, and so you know it might might be very brief, but. Um, and that that always kind of put me off doing these lightning swaps. Also, I assume there's like on on chain fees, obviously, because you're having to you're having to do an on chain transaction. Um, and so, yeah, haven't really haven't really looked into it um, so much. It, it's but it sounds like what they're trying to do is is they're more trying to enable that so that people can sort of offer like you can just have a, a be an Uncle Jim offering these kind of swap services, right? Um, w- which is interesting because yeah, the, the decentralization's good. Um, it's maybe a way for people to earn some fees uh, with their with their Bitcoin um, by providing this service. So that's it. That that's interesting. I think I'd be very nervous to do it though, um, especially if there was like a level of automation. Can you imagine if you had I don't know you, you know whatever Bitcoin you had you had on this on on this service and then somebody managed to find a bug and exploit and where they you know they they kind of maybe they send you coins and then for example um cancel the transaction or do replace by fee or whatever but, but, but like there's a bug and your your node thinks that the transaction has been made and then and then you're paying out bitcoin over lightning or something and like they could drain your funds that way like, like that kind of thing would would be very um i'd be very very cautious and wary of um so any, anybody considering sort of putting their bitcoin to work in a, in a service like this make sure you do your, do your homework um but yeah sorry i can't really provide so much so much insight there but that but that's my understanding but it's just good to see it's just good to see options to help you know to help privacy it's good to see decentralization these are the these are for me the key um fundamentals of bitcoin or the ethics of bitcoin i mean what's the word i'm looking for it's like the the, the cyberpunk ethos right um is is there in the decentral focus on decentralization privacy enabling people to um to be uncle jim's so great to see just just fully support this kind of thing yeah hopefully um people can implement this well this is kind of above my pay grade but hopefully it uh gets used far and wide especially with the um the lightning bit uh, or the um the uh, liquid bitcoin and and various other swaps these these get going drive down fees a little bit bring us back to normal levels of paying for on-chain transactions but be that as it may uh, PeerSwap, you can find them at peerswap.dev or at peerswapln 
on the uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's it for new builders. Should we get into the main topic today? Sounds good. All right. So today we will be taking on, looking at a Japanese writer. It's good to actually have a Japanese writer doing some Bitcoin stuff, but sadly we must come and take her down. The name of the author is Nozomi Hayase, and she has written a piece called The Networked Messiah. This uh, Have you heard of Nozomi Hayase before? I had listened to her on a podcast, I think, a, a while back, and was kind of interested in what she's saying. Is she... I think she's Japanese, right? But she, I think she speaks, I mean, I think she speaks almost native level English. Is that right? She te- um, yeah, she teaches some, she teaches at a university in the U.S., yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't sure like how, like whether, whether she was just like ethnically Japanese and brought up in the U.S. or whatever. But was she, was she born and raised here? No, she was born and raised in Japan, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Um, I came across her, there's, um, I found her on some lefty website. I try and read, uh as much lefty shit as I can to see what they're talking about. And um, I didn't realize she was a big Bitcoiner until I followed the trail back um, to see her, her broader uh, menu of work. And it looked, I I came across, she actually has a lot of Bitcoin stuff. So she's been around for a little bit and has been writing, has been writing on it. So uh, hat, hat tip to her on that. However, this, this piece suck. This piece is terrible. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go into that uh, here. I'll, we'll read through it as we've done in the past. Um, we will read through and then jump in at any point. We'll make comments as we go through and uh, uh, talk this thing. This might this is relatively long, so this might this might well um, is it relatively long? It's actually not too bad. I don't know if we'll have to break this one up into two if we can get through the whole thing on this one. We'll see. Um, but let me jump us off here. Bitcoin, the networked messiah. Uh, subscript from deep inside the web. A new godhead is arising within its face, changing color, shape. We see a mosaic of our own images. So already, <laughs> already we're not we're not starting off well here when we start when uh, when when that's the intro line, right? Well, when when you shared this, I read that I think probably up to, until about halfway, I was just assuming she was being ironic mm-hmm. and like she was skewering this, you know, tendency of certain Bitcoiners to worship Bitcoin. So I, for me, it was just so egregious that I just thought it was it was it was ironic. Yeah, well, this—I mean, well, just to say too, like part of the part of the reason that we're jumping into this one is because more and more, I think we, uh, the both of us have seen um, this odd deification of Bitcoin start to emerge. Like, you know, it was—I realized it was a joke, but I was looking at the Indonesia—I think it was in the, the Indonesian Bitcoin conference—and oh, no. they were literally carrying. Oh the bull yeah. on their shoulders like <laughs> Moses and Aaron oh. or like Aaron in the Old Testament. And I was like, this is this is horrendous. <laughs> this shit is I don't absurd. I don't know how mindful they would be. I d I don't know how like self aware they were doing that. Uh how Yeah, I, me neither. I yeah, I don't think it was. I think it was a genuine like spontaneous expression of, of just paganism and yeah. it, it it, it, it yeah. was yeah, it was it was one of the most awful things I ever saw. Yeah, it was <laughs> 
But even beyond that, I mean, like you hear the Robert Breedlove types and some of the more mm. think boy kind of things that do have this odd fascination with fitting Bitcoin into a religious deified status in their mind. Um, so I think this, this emerges, I actually had thought this before, like if, <clears throat> if Bitcoin does really revolutionize things, it allows for a lot of philosophical, um, mm. reflection and things that are transformative and allow for a lot of philosophical reflection mm. do end up becoming, uh, idyllic, idolized I think- things. I think that, and also for you know, for me, okay, what it, like the human creature was was created to to worship in 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 my opinion, but but I, but well, I think you can see that in 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 your life, right? Where I think everybody ends up worshiping something, and I think what they worship is what they consider to be a key to their their salvation, shall we say? Or mm. it's like this, you know. And so uh, I think a lot of people see, you know, this Bitcoin as kind of. I mean, we say Bitcoin is hope, right? But for some people, Bitcoin is salvation. It's like they have this idea in their minds that number go up and it's going to fix all my problems. It's going to fix the world's problems. And we're going to bring in, you know, the new, the new Jerusalem, should we say, with this, with this, you know, new monetary, the new monetary technology. And I, I mean, we'll get into it, right? But I, but for me, that's incredibly short-sighted because it's like, look, this is, this is a tool. Yes, it may enable some, you use some kind of platform or some kind of capability to affect change in the world, but really, like, it's just the beginning, right? It's just like, yeah, you've preserved your purchasing power. Now what are you going to do with it? And I think a lot of people are going to be sorely disappointed um, that, that that have raised Bitcoin as some as, as, as to be some sort of messiah or something. It's not because, you know, re- I mean, Willie, what are we talking about here? We're talking about, you know, monetary technology. I mean, what, like how, how, how on earth is that going to save you? Um, it, I mean, it'll save your purchasing power, maybe. But beyond that, you know, I, I I I don't see anything anything else there. But but like you say, I I know. I mean, it's interesting. It's new. It it's there's, it challenges a lot of um, uh, maybe stale thoughts. You know, it's, it challenges a lot of um, maybe poor assumptions and understandings in in the kind of Keynesian ec- economics world. And I can see that provoking a lot of interesting philosophical debate, which is maybe even useful. But yeah, be, I think. Yeah, the tendency for people to raise it beyond that is probably because they're just short-sightedly thinking of it as some kind of salvation, as, as some kind of goal, rather than rather than just a means a means to an end, right? Rather than a tool to bring about some kind of um, change. Absolutely, yeah. No, you see that with uh, with people like, oh, Bitcoin will end war, and you're like, shut up, moron. No, <laughs> no, it's not going to do that. Um, yeah. But let's jump into <clears throat> into the article. She begins, from economic instability and wars to ecological catastrophe, humanity now faces major global challenges. These social, political, and environmental issues signal a crisis in the modern world and its ethical foundation. Do you have any problems there, or is that that, that all right? Um... Uh, no, nothing. No, no red flags jumped up there. I mean, it, it's it, it, it's almost like boilerplate at this point, right? It's kind of kind of my, i don't know cliched or obvious at this point yeah yeah my my only concern is like it's because you i mean you could say this at any point at any time you know there's always wars and rumors of wars and things like that mm, shit is always mm. going on so i i'm always 
cautious when I start reading people who are framing this particular time as uniquely uh, bad. Um, yeah. No, there there are times like with the with the the advent of the nuclear bomb or something like that is a, a unique kind of thing. But you know, there's always been people getting you know exploded and shot and hit with arrows and things. So, but moving on. She begins, again, Jungian psychoanalysis Anne Barrig, who studied the development of the system of faith in Western civilization, recognized the change of the image of deity from feminine to masculine, great mother to great father, at a particular historical time around 2000 BC. Any thoughts there? So, what, so what is this? So she's talking about... Um... The, the the mask the, the the feminine to the masculine i didn't i didn't fully understand like what what is she actually talking about there well she says um that this psychoanal this psycho this psychoanalyst and bearing mm. studied the history of faith in western civilization right uh so and at some point um the religious nature of the people uh moved from worshiping the mother figure to the father figure. Now, in Jungian psychology, have they? You know, if if anybody knows Peterson, Jordan Peterson, you know, they have the 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 the, mm. the, the mother image and the father image, and they both yeah. they're, they're kind of like the yin and the yang of of people's inner workings, and and they're dealing with this kind of co- competitive nature between the two, and you have to keep them balanced and things like that. So, Jung is a um, is a is an offshoot of freud and it kind of reads a lot in now and the this this psychoanalysis here that Anne bearing who who studied i don't know what she studied she doesn't really give much in the way of, of reference for what it is that she led to believe but her historical reading says that at 2000 in in the year 2000 bc people started worshiping father versus mother which mm-hmm. um, there's always kind of that push in in kind of lib mind in in the lib in the lib mind that says, oh, we used to be much more placid and peaceful, and we used and we, mm. well the long house kind of thing when the women were in charge and we were worshiping the mothers, all this kind of yeah. shit, and then it got bad because we became war. Uh, we started worshiping the father, and then we became warring people and started to kill each other. The, the toxic masculinity came the out, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is what I, which is what I think she's getting at here. Yeah, I, so I don't know. I, I don't know what where she's coming from with this. Like, what's so the the Jungian stuff is is that her background is like yep. she's okay, psychoanalyst stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, so the, I mean, this is where like we probably don't uh, have the same shared cultural reference. But I mean, so for me, you know, um, I don't. So I don't. I, I don't necessarily see that people have flipped from the mother to the father. I mean, there was the, you know, there's there's, there's the God of of Israel, right? Um, um, which I which I believe was always a masculine God, <laughs> and 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 that 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 was. Um, through the you know the greek speaking empire and then the roman empire was transmitted through into the quote-unquote west as ultimately as christianity 
which I, you know, I would argue was, 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 was prophesized in, in the text. And for me, that was, um, you know, a very natural progression and, and an improvement, but it, it, you know, it sounds like for her, maybe she's coming at, at, at that, at this from a perspective that that was not an improvement. Like you were saying that this was, uh, um, a mistake for, uh, humans to to move to this this model of like a a, mas- a masculine god and it was a misstep and uh, am, am i reading too much into this at this point is it well yeah we'll see i'm not exactly sure where she's going to go with it yet because uh but that you know it's framed as that and i think she's thinking of um you know the uk pre pre-roman encounter where they're all a bunch of wiccans um dancing at the at stonehenge yeah um kind of these these weird witch type shaman things which um she says are are um feminine in 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 their mm. uh, er, in in their orientation which i i don't really have any reference for that i mean that common um you know common lore you know is like the that's how the the, the american indians were you know they had a, a much more uh feminine uh worshiping mm. uh religious orientation and whatnot i don't know how true any of that crap is that mm. seems to not ring particularly true with me because when you see <laughs> when you actually go to any of these places they they, mm. they have a, a nod tip to the or the they have a a, a nod to um various aspects of life including that which would be considered feminine, but they're not hmm. self-awaredly um, emphasizing the female uh, the female perspective or something. So I, I'm always I'm I'm somewhat dubious. I could be challenged on that by somebody who knows ancient civilizations, but it, hmm. just on the face of it, it doesn't sound particularly I'm- persuasive. I mean, if you if you're deriving your morality from the assistance, which I believe people are, then for me, you know, the, the the father God is one that calls out in black and white terms what's good and bad, you know, moral and immoral. And I feel like that was a huge advantage to the West, in if you like, in terms of making you know making people accountable and raising the level of general morality or you know kind of standards of morality. You know, maybe this is just me being, I don't know, biased to my own culture or whatever. Whereas I look at like these quote unquote more uh, mother mother earth worshipping kind of societies where maybe any, anything goes, right? But it's like they don't like they'll have problems with alcoholism, for example. In in I don't know, in my, more more so than in the West and things like that. There's there's maybe not there's there, you know th- things that there's not there's just not that structure um for the society so, so so again i think what's going to be difficult here is like you know nozomi and i are probably completely coming at this from completely different angles completely different kind of biases if you like and and also um frames cultural frames of reference we've probably read different books and you know um and so it's, it's going to be kind of hard, hard for us to have a meeting of the minds when it comes to the father god versus mother god thing but yeah and it doesn't um, even but it just i mean even if you look at it from a shinto kind of perspective like it's not particularly a, you know that that's that's much more animistic as are the mm. african the animistic african religions or the animistic native american mm. one or um south american ones or something N- none of these would i mean you have to 
work pretty hard to get fit them in this kind of odd Jungian mm. model of great mother versus great father. I, I, I think they're just really applying a preconceived mm. notion on top of these things. But be that as it may, we continue. Do, do, do you oh, know? Please. Well, do you know? Does she also have? Uh, is she bringing like fe- feminist? Um perspective to this is that also part of it like she's maybe projecting a little bit of that and if so do, do you know if she's like what what kind of feminist she is she is she, is she a leftist is she like a lib femme sort of yeah I, I i didn't go that deep into her but if you read mm. her her bio she actually teaches this what i would consider this nonsensical yeah um psychoanalysis it's some kind of psychology of of whatever I, I i can't remember it was something that that I, I had a hard time conceiving of what this thing actually was and that's always a problem when you have a phd and something that nobody could really figure out what the hell you're talking about mm. um so her her background or her 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 teaching stance outside of the bitcoin thing is 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 questionable it's it, it's some kind of therapeutic liberal third wave feminist adjacent thing mm. um i'd have to i'd have to go through and see it again because it's been a while since i looked at her bio i just remember being somewhat off put by this this weird title and this weird uh, mm. uh study uh, this, or the, her her weird background study in in her phd right but article continues she described, I guess, Aaron Baring, she described how the shift has led to the polarization in human consciousness, creating destructive effects in our culture. After this shift, emphasis was placed on quote-unquote masculine qualities such as value judgment and ordering and on goal-driven energy associated with mind or intellect. This dominance of the masculine devalued the quote-unquote feminine attributes such as instinct, relationship, uh, instinct relationship and the feeling heart that acknowledges intrinsic connections between all things yeah i mean it's hard to <laughs> i don't know what she's talking about to be honest um it's uh it's 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 really hard to just um relate right <laughs> i i never like these framings either the 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 i i don't understand how these are are considered these are <clears throat> are put on a gender spectrum of feminine versus whatever uh versus um uh feminine versus masculine um th- th- this seems completely contrived to me yeah i mean it's instinct relationship and feeling heart what does it, i mean what does it mean and a lot of a lot of the times i feel like with these people coming you know um these more leftist types they you know they're they're not very precise maybe with the the definitions you get a lot of yeah touchy-feely stuff but it's like when you when you really try and nail them down on certain points it's like they, they maybe have trouble doing you know trouble really articulating what they're trying to say i mean i'm just not sure what what feeling heart means right Mm. like men men don't feel or it's just i don't know it's just kind of strange it's just hard, hard to understand what she's trying to say yeah that's why i i'm the 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 gender the gender <clears throat> speak you know especially i mean when she wrote this this was probably before the um or probably not anything to do with gender um um 
like we, we're seeing now with with the with the trans movement, but the gender equality, all these kind of things, like that whole mm. uh, Freudian notion of gender as opposed mm. to sex. Yeah, um, is... it's like well, it's 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 like a yes, your soul, your soul almost, right? You have a gendered soul. Yeah, inside. Yeah, that kind of idea, maybe. But um, and, yeah, and this whole so this this whole framing just seems retarded. Um. But um, acknowledges the intrinsic connection between all things. I love how also the um, the feminine is usually like this very, mm-hmm. very, very uh, laudatory uh, thing, whereas the man one is just kind of like caveman hit it with a rock, <laughs> you know, like because that that's where you hear. There was somebody came out recently and say, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if women 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 ruled the world?" And you're like. Homie, have you seen women talk mm. to each other? And the most bloodthirsty mm. people in the government are usually like the Victoria Newland types that are just willing yeah. to absolutely nuke every single man, woman, and child in, a, in an opposing oh, country. Yeah. So get out of here with this, this nonsense about how calm yeah, and peaceful yeah. they are. Um, but she continues, as this schism in the image of the divine continues to devastate our society, a force of balance has emerged from the internet. Can you guess what this is, Dash? Um, would it be the, the savior of mankind, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto? Well, it's uh, Bitcoin. is the breakthrough yeah. of computer science has opened a pathway to reunite the masculine and feminine principles. So you thought wow. Bitcoin was going to help you save Is that in the code? Can you point out where? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's a hell of a. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the Genesis block, when Satoshi put in uh, bank bailout, what, what was the thing there? Um, mm, Chancellor on the thing, brink of bailout. Yeah. They never, they never read the second part, which is I'm here <laughs> to rescue the masculine and feminine principles of, of disunity. Yeah, so I, I yeah, mean, this, I'm 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 all ears about how this is going to be accomplished. The, the specifics, right? The mechanics. I'm sure she's going to get into it, right? The uh, oh, gonna, very yeah. clear. I'm I'm entirely. <laughs> but section one, she begins: monopoly on faith. Judeo-Christian tradition established monotheistic religions with the elements of the feminine fast receding into the background. It derived its authority from the recorded word of God historically curated by those considered the spiritual leaders of the community, with a one-sided image of God acting ex- acting exclusively as a force for good. The Orthodox Judeo-Christian religions directed people's moral conduct onto what was considered to be the righteous path. So she really doesn't like you, uh, your, mm. your, your desire for a right and a wrong. No, she doesn't. What, was it, what did she say? Considered to be the righteous path, right? So yeah. I guess the, the ten you can we can be relative we're all relatives now, we're postmodernists, right? So the Ten Commandments, you know, maybe 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 killing people isn't all bad. Mm. Is that, is that, you know, so yeah. Yeah, with the one sided um image of God, I, I'm not entirely I I'm sure that's she wants kind of a chick God in there at some point. Well, um, I guess like it's it's a god and a gal like a guy and a gal up there, right? Um, yeah. Did she want she seems she wants balance. Yeah. Um, to be to be fair, I guess, but it's I, I'm just I'm all I'm all ears on how this is going to be accomplished, and especially through, via Bitcoin. Is the, like because it's, <laughs> yes. it, 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 yeah. I mean, at this point, it's all I don't know. She's putting out ideas, but I don't. I just don't see how this is going to actually work. So that's that's 
be, 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 with my autistic male brain that's kind of where i i tend to i want to see okay how are we going to do this it's always funny they always have a they always bitch about monotheistic religion they're like wouldn't it be better if we worship the rocks <laughs> we, we had the we had the, the god of the trees like, yeah 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 grow up <laughs> all right in the modern era this patriarchal structure of morality came to be maintained through a political system of monarchy and through the mm. king's control of money later transferred to a loyal charter-backed private bank. That's one hell of a connection there. That is fantastic. Mm. Good for you, lady, to be able to draw that line. Uh, attorney and researcher Ellen Brown, in her book Web of Debt, describes how the establishment of the Bank of England in 1694 gave power to bankers to create money out of thin air. Well, there we go. Well, that, that's fine. We're actually, mm. You're on you're on solid, more solid ground there. But yeah, the... Uh, um, the patriarchal structure, she's getting all the words in there, patriarchal structure of morality maintained through a political system of monarchy. Yeah, the ancient world had no kings. They were all democracies. Mm. I, li- I like how she references a female um, f- as well for that, unironically un- 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 so. It's, um, but later, I, th- I think, yeah, she's, I'm, I'm just, because I'm, I'm reading along as, now as you're speaking, but it's, um, she's yeah she 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 seems to be coming at this from a very feminist perspective which 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 could be interesting yeah she's yeah she's referencing all female authors here. Mm. um this was the beginning of the central banking system which has since spread around the world it found its way into the u.s in 1913 through the creation of the federal reserve author edward griffin oh good uh the creature from jekyll island everybody's favorite elucidates how Despite its name, the Federal Reserve is not an agency of the federal government, but it's a private corporation chartered by Congress. He describes it as a central banking cartel that was designed to serve the bankers and politicians. This cartel entered into an agreement with the government. Have you actually read the uh, creature from Chuckle Island? I haven't. I, I don't feel. I think it's one of those books I don't need to read. You know, a bit like Atlas Shrugged. I've never read that, but I feel like I'd just be at this point you know I'd, I'd, I'd agree with every page so what's the point right yeah we've also i mean in bitcoin we've heard the thing basically read to us mm. in seven different ways from 400 right. different authors so yeah i haven't read it either um through their secret partnership the u.s dollar as a form of federal reserve note has become an instrument of con- of control enabling usury and theft in the form of taxation through inflation most significantly through this installation of a central banking system in the U.S., the force of hierarchy that denies an individual's freedom of conscience has expanded. Hang on, this, so is she linking? Is she linking the central banks back to patriarchy suppressing people's freedoms? Is that when she says hierarchy? Is that what she means? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Hierarchy I, I, is always bad. Yeah, it's it's the patriarchy. I so I I always thought of the central bank money printing as the opposite. I felt like that was empowering the government and i always consider the government more the suffocating mother rather than the tyrannical <laughs> father yeah so it's interesting we have different completely different perspectives on that but anyway yeah the um uh the hierarchy that denies an individual's freedom of conscience has expanded yeah this, i mean she <clears throat> she's obviously got the um the left libertarian thing to with the uh, mm. taxes theft although i agree with uh usury you know which is you know how you i think you could very easily uh 
classify modern banking as usurious um mm. but uh central bank system the force of hierarchy that denies an individual's freedom of conscience that's always their big sticking point as well too it's like god forbid you stop me from doing exactly what i want you know i feel like this and i'm going to do this and you know it all devolves into complete mm. autonomy um penetrated the wall of uh this uh, penetrated the wall of separation between church and state that the founders had put in place uh, in the establishment of the clause of the First Amendment as a safeguard against the creation of state dominated by the church. So now she's uh, money equals church equals bad. Um, mm. And she's conflating all kinds of shit here. So this is just nonsensical. Yeah. That the I... separation of church and state was a, a Jeffersonian thing that was never in there. Right. So obviously not the case because they were all, you know, blah, you know, we had state churches up until, uh, you know, relatively recently in American history. So this mm. is just retarded. Mm. I think to be fair to her, like not a lot of people know this. And it's like it's this whole I've been going down a kind of revisionist history re- uh, rabbit hole recently. But I think, I think to most people who haven't gone out of their way to read outside of the received history, the court history, there is there is this mis- misconception that the the yeah that the, the separation of church and state was part of the american project from the very early days and you know i've since very recently learned that that is that wasn't the case so i mean to be fair to her i think most people believe still believe that that's true so even though it's, yeah. it's, it's, no, not, no. it's like like a lot of things that we're, we're taught at school but yeah, the, I mean, this is where we as Bitcoin got. We have to uh, we have to have a better game than that because we're 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 if we're going to deconstruct court history when it comes to uh, the the money that we're given, we got to be careful to do to not just take court yeah. history where it serves our our emotional uh, mm. ends either. Yeah. Through their secret partnership. The U.S. dollar as a form of Federal Reserve note has become an instrument of control, enabling usury and the theft. The, oh, I, I read that already. Oops. Um, next section: Doctrine of probably it's our, we're coming up on the hour, um, coming up on an hour and a half here. You want to do one more section and then hold that yeah. off till next time. Sounds okay. good. Yeah. Doctrine of corporatism. As society became more secular, the church began to lose its influence. With the government subsidies and the growth of monopolies, eliminating competition, industries that accumulated capital gained enormous power. That's nothing wrong there, I don't think. With this, with this, a stifling values associated with a feminine god was brought about by what essayist John Ralston Saul refers to as corporatism. This suppression is effected through the hierarchical nature of corporate structures. <sighs> that bind into an ideology which claims rationality as its central quality. Did you know what the hell she's saying here? So I, no I think so. And she, I, I think she needs to come to my company and look, because it's, it's run by f- females, essentially, in the HR department. And we're getting you know, progressive talking points rammed down our throats every day. And so I think the feminine God is definitely ruling at the, you know, the company I'm at. So I'm not sure when, when she talks about this, is it just a specific period of history? Because it seems to me that all of the corporates currently are aligned with the progressive political agenda, which is more, I would say, you know, I would argue was aligned with this, this kind of feminine God that she seems to want to worship. So I, I, I yeah, I don't understand how corporatism is, is, is again, the, 
the manifestation of the of the of the patriarchy. I think that's what she's saying here. But but she said but she's going at but this is where I'm having a hard time because here because she's like with this a stifling of values associated oh the stifling of the feminine god oh I yeah. see not the stif because usually when they when the unions talk about stifling that is the fem- the the feminine does the stifling but here no mm. no the feminine's not doing the stif she's being stifled by corporate male right oh, I see oh I see here oh yes. Yeah, exactly. I'd never go into a corporation and think, "Oh, uh, the it, it every every time I go into some corporate headquarters, it's all the first thing I look for to avoid is the 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 bitch at the HR department because I know she's going to try and ruin oh, my day." I lost your audio. Oh, is it just me? Am I here? Hello. Oh yeah, you're back. Okay. I lost you. No, I was saying whenever I have to engage with a corporation, the first thing I try and do is find find the the bitch at the HR department and run away <laughs> as far as possible because I know she's going to ruin my day, right? Like maybe yeah. there was five seconds of corporate culture in, in, in these places where that wasn't the case, but it's certainly been in my lifetime. I mean, I, so I don't know if it's just my, I mean, my company's, you know, it's a, it's a tech company, so maybe it's that, right? But it's like, it's a hundred percent, you know, how are you feeling? We're going to give you, you know, a day off for you to connect with your feelings. Um, you know, and it's like express your true self at work, you know, it's, it's complete. It's, it's 100% progressive. I would say, I would argue feminine, um, values. So, and they're, they're not being stifled or, or suppressed. So I, again, I don't know if she's just talking about a specific period in history, cause I can imagine it was probably different in the fifties or mm. something. Um, but, but certainly not true today in, in my situation, at least. Yeah. Um, and all, all these words are just, she just leaves them undefined. So you can kind of read into them what you want, value mm. associated corporatism, all this kind of stuff. Like, nobody oh, likes your audio has gone again. Really? Are oh, you back? Hello. I wonder what the, hello. Can you hear yeah. me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, corporations as artificial entities are programmed through their terms of incorporation and through law to pursue ever-increasing wealth for executives and shareholders. They have long been used as, via, uh, as a vehicle by the rich and powerful, driven by the rationale of profit at any cost to create an extractive consumer economy. See this this isn't this isn't true, right? I mean this mm. is so a corporation exists to a publicly traded corporation exists to maximize returns for shareholders um uh who risk their capital, right, to invest in, in, in the company. So that that is that that is the the real that well that is the 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 legal legal basis for the corporation, right? So she's she's kind of taking liberties to to state things as facts which aren't facts. Um, maybe this is her opinion on how things are actually transpiring or, or, you know, manifesting in the real world, but she's, she, she's not, she's not making those, making it clear what's her opinion versus what's facts, which, and, and then, you know, also it's like, well, what, what are these corporations supposed to do? I mean, if, if we're going to found, found a company and risk our capital, should we not expect as stakeholders to receive a return and for the management in, in those, uh, corporations to have our interests, uh, as their top priority in terms of returning uh, profits uh, based based on us, us risking capital. Like I, I, I'm always with these people who say we you know we need to change the the nature of corporation and the incentive structures. It's like well what are you going to replace it with? 
like because you know if if, if you're going to have a company which which has its mission to uh, I don't know um, plant trees in the Amazon Amazonian rainforest and to, to hell with the shareholders' money, it's like well I'm not going to invest in that company. I don't think anyone else is. So you know, like again, I'm all ears for for, for solutions she's going to come up with. I assume in the second half of the article she's going to list about uh, specifics about how we're going to actually uh, you know fix these things, but. Um, because right now I'm just hearing a lot of baseless complaining. The uh, well, what we need is a DAO, so we need ETH to come in <laughs> and be the feminine to our Bitcoin masculine. Using commercially driven corporate science that aims to dominate nature, scientists and technologists of recent times have become a new class of priests through applying Darwinian biology well, and true. behaviorism. <laughs> well, yeah. That's the yeah. thing with these writers is they're always like, especially somebody like that has a, an affinity for Bitcoin here is like she's going to she's going to weave in stuff that I agree with and stuff that she doesn't. So it becomes even more of a pain in the ass to read because it's like, you know, this sentence is good and that sentence sucks and this makes sense. And no, you're wrong here. Hmm. Through applying yeah, the, dom- the, dom- the dominate nature is interesting because she is. I mean, she uses that in a negative sense. I'm sure, uh, mm. you know, that aims to dominate nature. It's like, well, hang on. So, are we supposed to live in mud? Like, like we obviously we we shape and fashion nature to benefit us as mankind. We've always always done that, and you know, I think the benefits are fairly fairly obvious. If you live in a house with electricity and running water, it's like, well, so what? Are we are we supposed to not want to dominate nature? Well, you don't um, understand. You should have watched the Disney show that tells you <laughs> that shows you the priestess that used to live in the mud hut and she was mm. very in tune with nature and she knew all kinds of shit that you don't know and uh, she could commune with the world you see this is your problem there we go through applying darwinian biology and behaviorism they have engineered abstract social morals that are dualistic and then used them to manipulate people's instinct and habits through media mm-hmm. narratives that condemn qualities of independence and individual autonomy as selfishness, pitting them against attributes such as collaboration and kindness. The system preys on people's empathy to enforce conformity. Really? Again, is this a specific... Because, I mean, it seems to me modern media is, is encouraging, if anything, um, egregious individualism, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than... And it's, so she's saying what um, condemns qualities of independence. Is that true? I mean, the, so I mean, when she means me, when she says media narratives, so again, I, I wish she'd, I wish she'd list specifics and examples because I'm, I'm, I'm having hard, a hard time trying to think up of, of, of narratives which do not promote individualism as, as the greatest. Yeah. yeah. Good. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And they're always, they, 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 these types always rattle on about dualism. Dualism is the, the world's most destructive force in their mind, which I can never really understand because dualism on, you know, just the, the, the base of it is um, A versus B or AB, right? Like it is this, not this, P, not mm. P. They have the hardest time in the world with dualism, any kind of dualism. It all needs to be integrated in some way. It doesn't matter what leftist it is. If you say the world the word dualism to them they they break out into hives i don't under, right. I, i've not been able to understand the need for this maybe it's that hegelian you know thesis antithesis synthesis kind of thing but mm. god forbid anything be one thing and not another or not be fully integrated into the into into a, a third thing it's very strange their their hatred of dualisms but be, mm. i continue 
In a, in a society that adheres to a dogma of corporatism, human beings have been reduced to a kind of domesticated animal. I actually don't have a problem with that. I, I do agree with it. Corporatism is not a good thing. Denied agency, people are pushed to respond to external stimuli, both carrot and stick, and to act out of compulsion. As the greed of, of the few atop institutional hierarchies begin to fuel corruption, Bitcoin came forward to challenge this rigged game of survival of the fittest. Hmm. Okay. All ears, right? Because it seems to me Bitcoin's just the latest manifestation of survival of the fittest, or you could argue that. I mean, it's like there's going to be people who have it and don't have it, right? So you're going to have winners and losers. So kind of Yeah, that's it. Exactly, hmm. right? Like how, like I'm not this this is a this is an adversarially based um monetary system mm. that's emerging with with bitcoin and it's all it's for all it, it's for all the all the marbles man you lose your keys that shit yeah. is gone well and that that is to me far closer in alignment to the 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 god of the old testament right it's like look if you yeah if you lose your keys no no tears no crying you you're gone your funds are gone like that's that that's that, that that's the forces of the universe which are keeping you away from your keys like you've got no chance you have zero chance of recovering your funds mm. um it's it's you know it's 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 you know try try jumping off the build on a, off a 10-story building and see what happens to you. it's that kind of level of cause and effect right it's very black and white and to me, the, the opposite of that, the fiat money system is the more uh, fem, uh, uh, um, sort of the female god thing where we say, okay, well, we, you know, let's for, 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 the, for the cause of social justice, let's print money. You know, we can redistribute resources. We can, we, we, you know, we, the, the forces of the universe don't apply to us. We can engineer a, a perfect society, an equitable society with, with our fiat money, whereas, whereas Bitcoin is, is definitely not going to allow that. It's like you have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you're, you, you're out of luck. You know, um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like Bitcoin might be, I don't know if she's misunderstanding Bitcoin or if I'm misunderstanding what she's trying to say. Um, and I guess we'll get into this in the, in the second half, but it, it, it's, you know, it, it's so far, I'm just not, I'm just not understanding where she's coming from. Uh, yeah. All. all in all, this is, she's, she's assuming that you're coming from this, um, gay progressive, standpoint and you can read into her like you're supposed to i think you're supposed to know that male dominance and hierarchies are bad right like you're just supposed to assume this um and words that she throws around without being explained like corporatism and all this kind of stuff you're just supposed to know that these are bad all these mm -hmm. all these kind of things like because you live in the spirit of the age and you've in ingested all of this crap you're supposed to <clears throat> just know that what she says is right without really questioning it, which is right. always problematic, especially from the Bitcoin perspective. But yeah, so next time we'll we'll jump into the the second half here, which is the cypherpunk's holy grail, and and kind of see where she she takes us. But yeah, this article sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> then we get to beat it up, and we need Bitcoin. People listening to this, Bitcoin is not your god. Bitcoin is great money, the best money perhaps, but it is a terrible religion. Please do not worship this fucking thing. It is not going to save you, especially if you lose your damn keys, as we just said. Yeah, it's it's not a religion. It's not going to save you. Um, it doesn't help Bitcoin. You know, in fact, if anything, it's it's completely cringe. If anything, yeah. people from the outside are looking at that, and that's that's one of the reasons they're staying away from Bitcoin. And I completely understand why. So, any yeah, anyone and and listen, I mean, there's a tendency towards the worshiping of of idols within the human um, 
creature and you know it's, it's something we've all got to watch within ourselves it's not like you know um it you know um this is unique to bitcoiners or anything but um i think i would just challenge the listeners just ask yourself the question like, let's say let, let's just as a thought experiment say bitcoin goes to you know um seriously appreciates in value goes to a million dollars a coin maybe um you know what 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 are you what like how's your life going to be different and really think about that because um you know you, you we're still going to have the same issues with government overreach with the government trying to seize people's wealth with things like wealth taxes um this the, the these kind of phony narratives designed to steal your your wealth and your time and your freedom like the climate so-called climate crisis you know humans are still going to be humans we're still going to have wars we're still going to have competition for scarce resources um and so you know like you know when you when you're there with your maybe you'll have some economic firepower but it's like what are you going to do with that economic firepower um and you know i I think we need to as bitcoiners we need to sort of maybe start thinking of that more as a less of a like a, a hope of some kind of salvation, but more as a as a as an up and coming responsibility that we're all going to have to um, you know, and this is the best case scenario that this plays out, and we, our, our our funds don't get seized, and then we're in a position to do something in the world. It's like, what are you what are you going to do? How are you going to leave a positive legacy in the world? And um, it's it's just it's just really the beginning. It's just a tool for us to to affect potentially good change in 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 the world and um and and that's it it's 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 a means to an end it's not the end itself 100 percent. yep i think that's a good place to end it on cool all right we'll pick it up next time for dash and myself see you next time next time and we thank you for listening to us today you can find us on twitter and nostr at tokyo citadel You can find us on our main site, tokyocitadel.com. And please check out our guests that that you heard today. Support us on the Fountain app with a thousand sat boost. Or head on over to the site and hit us up with some love over there. Building sovereignty, privacy, and hope into the Tokyo Citadel. See you next time.